The reading is from St. John's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Well, firstly, can I just say that uh, if it feels like deja vu to you, don't worry. If you've been coming to St. Andrew's over the last few weeks, you may be thinking, I'm sure I've heard that passage before somewhere. Didn't we hear that last week? Don't worry, you're not going mad. We're purposefully staying in the same passage for a few weeks because there's so much for us to get our heads and our hearts around here. And it's good for us to hear these things again and again. Let's pray as we come to this passage. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear from you and to obey. that the Father would be glorified. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, so far we've thought about what it is to be a community of Christ, abiding in the vine, organically connected to him and to one another. We've thought about what it is to be a community of purpose. If you were here last week, Paul spoke about a vision of the real me, People created with a purpose to bear fruit, to be the new creations that he calls us, hardwired for new fruit, who have the life of Christ and therefore Christ-likeness flowing through us, empowered by the Holy Spirit, living the life for which we were created. And that's all incredibly positive, isn't it? But up to now, we've carefully sidestepped the difficult verses. You see, being fruitful isn't the only story. 
Yes, it's our purpose. But the question remains, how do we get there? What's the process of abiding in the vine and staying connected? (laughs) Well, brace yourself for the bad news. Because today we're looking at what it means to be a community of challenge. And we come across this ever so tricky notion of pruning. Look with me at verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. That's pretty severe stuff, isn't it? But then for those of us who have seen pruning taking place on a vine... It is pretty severe. Of course, pruning happens throughout the year. It happens continually. The the gardener never leaves the vine just to be. They're continually snipping and cutting to ensure that fruit comes in the right places from the healthiest branches at the right time. So we should always be seeking and allowing God to do his gentle work of discipline in our lives. But there is, of course, a particular season, just after harvest, when the process of pruning is most severe. And if you take a look during those winter months, well, there isn't much left of the vines that have been heavily pruned. This passage and this thought about pruning came into sharp focus for me on Friday and Saturday this week. Firstly, on Friday, as I watched the inauguration of Donald Trump, I wondered what it must have felt like for Obama. Putting down probably the biggest job in the world, seeing the agenda that he has worked for being openly challenged and the beginning of repeals made to all that he's worked hard to achieve. As he bade his farewell and got into the helicopter that took him away from Capitol Hill, there was inevitably talk of the legacy that he leaves and my guess is that he fears that the legacy that he wanted to build and to be remembered for will be quickly repealed and reversed by the incoming president. I guess Obama will face a period of pruning ahead. If you like, winter draws near for him. That was Friday, and then on Saturday I joined a seminar on what it means to be a retired Christian. Don't worry, I'm not planning to go just yet. My pension isn't quite big enough. But what was clear was that the part of the challenge of retiring from paid employment is the issue of identity, of who I really am. And that feeling that my legacy isn't quite what I thought or I dreamed it would be. Retirement brings with it a sense of pruning. Change comes. Job titles and achievements are stripped away. The documents, the policies and processes that I spent so much time working on are now boxed in the attic just in case. Pruning comes somewhat forcibly and we're left to ask how to respond. And of course we don't have to be drawing towards the end of our careers to feel this. Redundancy, business failure, marriage breakup children, illness, 
financial hardship, unfair criticism, change of almost any kind can shake our identity, can bring real feelings of loss and grief and bereavement. And it's at these times when the comfortable equilibrium of life is disturbed that we sense the pruning of our Father in our lives. For some of us, we may hear God's call to lay things down and to enter into a time of pruning and cutting back voluntarily. But for most of us, I have a sneaky suspicion that we need God's hand of discipline to help us to get to that place. And at these times, because pruning is severe, it's very easy for us to question whether God is really for us. This powerful metaphor of Jesus as the vine reminds us that pruning is good for us. We are the branches and the Father is the gardener. Jesus calls us to be part of the vine. He gives gives us a purpose to bear fruit and so to glorify the Father. He never promises fun and he doesn't promise outward success. He promises only that the gardener is working to produce a good crop that glorifies him. As hard as it may seem, the Father doesn't prune for no purpose. He prunes so we might be more fruitful. Pruning is good for us. When Jesus talks about pruning, there seem to be two aspects to, to what he's doing. The first is negative. Verse 2 talks of a cutting off, a cleansing, getting rid of branches that produce no fruit. And we can't duck this. There may be sinful things in our lives that need cutting out, that need cleansing. And the gardener is at work to remove what is unhelpful. Indeed, he's ruthlessly determined to remove and cleanse those areas of our lives that need discipline. Some branches wither and need cutting back, verse 6. When we fail to abide in him, the branch loses the life-giving contact with the vine. And probably over time, our hearts grow cold in our love for Jesus. Perhaps we come to church. Perhaps we do the things of religion, but we lose our love of Jesus. And we see unchristlike qualities grow in us. If this is us today, then hear the promise that John gives us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a promise. Those he loves, he disciplines. And this cutting off, this cleansing is done in love so that there might be a harvest of righteousness so that we might know forgiveness and life. But the other aspect of pruning is a positive one. It's the pruning that happens to those branches that are already producing fruit. I recall when I started work for the first time in Reading. And I think I was doing relatively well at work. I was a Christian young man and I was serving the Lord in lots of different ways. 
but I particularly used to enjoy going to one sandwich bar at lunchtime. It wasn't because the sandwiches were particularly good. It was because the girl behind the counter had big brown eyes, which she flashed at me on repeated occasions. There was nothing wrong in that in one sense. I had no intention of taking it any further. But do you know, I thoroughly enjoyed the temptation that was supplied by this girl from the other side of my tuna roll. And I kept going back and thinking about it more and more. It could have led to something very unhealthy. And I remember one morning reading a verse from Proverbs, and it said this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. And I realized that if I was going to guard my heart, I needed to fix my gaze away from her, and I changed my sandwich shop. It's a very simple example, a very simple thing, but it was a pruning nonetheless. Pruning happens to those branches which are already producing fruit as much as it does to those that are withering. Because the deepest desire of the gardener is for us to produce more fruit. How does he do it? Well, pruning can come in many different forms. It can be a a scripture read, a word of prophecy, a conversation with a friend, a rebuke or an invitation or an encouragement, or even a reflection of nature. There are many different ways in which God highlights to us what is hindering our growth. I find that friends are good at asking questions of me that enable me to consider carefully what God is doing in my life and where there might be areas of even more growth. So the careful questions, are you making space to read your Bible? Are you praying? How have you been thankful? What's given you joy in the last week? How are you loving your family? They're all questions that have stopped me in the past and made me think about what I'm doing and how I'm being. But it seems to me that most of the pruning we need comes down to three main questions, three areas where I think we all may need a little pruning. First of all, who is in control of my life? Secondly, what gives me significance? And thirdly, how do I use my time? I want to suggest that while the more fundamental issues are those of control and significance, the presenting issue for each of us is how we use our time, and I dare to say our money as well. Selwyn Hughes said this, The pruning process, cutting away the things that hinder or prevent our growth, provides for a continuous conversion in which we're converted from the irrelevant to the relevant and from being just busy to being fruitful. It's been well said that you can tell what someone really believes by the state of their wallet and the state of their diary. Busyness is not the same as being fruitful. I guess we all know that, don't we? If we look at our lives and our life as a church, 
the question comes, how do we move from busyness to fruitfulness when sometimes the two overlap? I'm sorry to say I have no magic formula. I'm as likely to fall into the busyness trap as the next person. But I know it comes down to learning to abide, to remain in the vine, and to be purposeful about what we do. I think it helps if we can be open with God in prayer and with others. Open our diaries to scrutiny by our spouses and by our friends. And together in prayer to see see when busyness has become a surrogate to fruitfulness. When we've become more concerned about who we're seeing, what programs we're running, what our own achievement legacy will be, rather than the fruitfulness of the life of Christ in us and Christ-likeness growing in us. But one thing to take note of, the pruning happens by the gardener, the father. He's the one who prunes, and he does it through his word. I think that's important, because it isn't the branches who do the pruning. One branch doesn't look at another, and make significant cuts. Too often in churches, it's one branch suggesting areas of pruning to another. No, the father, the expert gardener, is the one who does the cutting, who knows what he's doing. I remember as a child playing hospitals one afternoon, and my friend Mark had just found some real scissors. I just need to make a few small cuts, he said. And I ran. Because I didn't trust the one who had the scissors. You only trust the pruning knife when it's yielded by the right person. And the right person is our Heavenly Father. God will prune us according to his needs so that we will better fulfill his plans for us so that we'll be more fruitful. And he deals with us tenderly and carefully out of wisdom and love. Somebody once said this, always remember that no matter how often the secateurs snip or how, or, or how painful the pruning, your life is in good hands. It's your father who is the gardener. So does community Does church, do our brothers and sisters in Christ have any role in all this? I'd suggest that we do. Because while the one who does the pruning is the father, as a community we do have a role to help each other allow the secateurs to be at work and to see the reshaping of each branch. In practice, we need to help each other understand his word and let his spirit apply things to us in the context of loving relationships, which I hope that we find in smaller groups, home groups throughout the church, we should be asking each other tough questions. Not to search out and seek to destroy areas of sin like some kind of Christian secret police force. Not to do the pruning and the cutting out ourselves because the log in our own eye will only get in the way of the speck in our neighbour's but to help the vine to flourish and let the fruit grow. Why don't you start with pouring through your diary with a friend this coming week and asking, is there time for God? 
for special relationships, for serving others, for enjoying life, for rest, for work. Or if you've got the guts, look at your bank statement. Can you tell your faith from your spending habits? If left alone, the vine, more than other plants, grows wild. The life-giving sap goes to the leaves and to the branches rather than to the fruit. As God's people, we need to learn to welcome times of pruning, painful as they may be, so that we might bear much fruit. We need to learn to stand and hold those who are being pruned. Because our purpose is not to produce a fabulous vine, but to produce much fruit. Corporately and individually, we need to open our lives to God and to each other and ask, what does it mean for us to bear much fruit? Where do we need to surrender to him who was pruned even to death that we might live? What needs to be cut out so that growth may come? Why? Because it's to our Father's glory that we bear much fruit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, for those of us that are going through a season of pruning just now, we offer ourselves to you. And we ask that we, you would give us eyes to see your work in our lives and a hope that sees that fruit will come. As a church, would you help us to hold those who are going through times and seasons of pruning? And Lord Jesus, we ask that for each of us, you would help us to see those areas that are withering and dying, that we would repent and know the life that you breathe in us. And in those areas where we're producing fruit, would you help us to lay them at the foot of your cross. That in those areas where we may need cutting back, that we would trust that you would bring forth your fruit to the glory of the Father. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.